Section 4 of the Curtis Aviation Book by Glenn Curtis and Augustus Post. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 1 Boyhood and Early Experiments of Glenn H. Curtis by Augustus Post. Chapter 4 Baldwin's Balloon. Thomas Scott Baldwin was engaged in building a dirigible balloon in California when he chanced to see a new motorcycle, the motor of which seemed to be exactly what he wanted to propel his new airship. He learned that it was the design and product of a man named Curtis at Hammondsport, New York, with whom he entered into correspondence. The result was that Captain Baldwin went to Hammondsport for a personal interview with the man who had turned out that motor. Baldwin expected to find, as he afterwards said, a big important-looking manufacturer, and great was his surprise to find a quiet, unassuming young man, scarcely more than a youth. The jovial Baldwin and the unobtrusive Curtis became great friends at once. They discussed motors of all sorts, but particularly motors suitable for dirigible balloons, then in the first stage of development. When Baldwin asked Curtis the price of one of the type then used in the Curtis motorcycle, he was surprised at its cheapness, and ordered one on the spot. This was built at once, and proved successful. Later several other motors were built at the Curtis factory for Baldwin, each one showing some improvement, and some of them designed to meet the increasing demand for a more powerful motor of light weight for use in dirigible balloons. As a natural consequence of Baldwin's success with the use of the Curtis motor, it was but a short time until it came to be the best-known motor in America for aeronautic work. At the St. Louis World's Fair in 1904, Captain Baldwin's California Arrow, the only successful airship out of all those which were brought from Europe and every part of America to contest for the big prizes, was equipped with one of Curtis's motors. Baldwin's success at St. Louis was a triumph for Curtis, and soon all dirigible balloons operating in this country were driven by Curtis Motors. Hammondsport was now to have a new sensation, and to witness an experiment which eventually led to momentous developments. In order to test the power of the motors he was building for Captain Baldwin, and for the purpose of determining the efficiency of his aerial propeller, Curtis constructed a wind-wagon, a three-wheel vehicle with the motor and propeller mounted in the rear of the driver. When he took this queer contrivance out on the road for its first trial, the town of Hammondsport turned out to witness the fun. Consternation among the usually mild-eyed workhorses spread throughout the little valley as the wind-wagon went scooting up and down the dusty roads, creating a fearful racket. Before the start was made, an automobile was sent on ahead to clear the way, and to warn the drivers of other vehicles. The automobile, however, was quickly overhauled, passed, and left far in the rear, by the whirring, spluttering, three-wheeled, embryonic flying machine. Protests by farmers, businessmen, and others quickly followed this experiment. They argued that it frightened the horses, made travel on the roads unsafe, and was bad for business generally. As the machine had served its purpose with Curtis, and had given Hammondsport its little diversion, the famous wind-wagon passed into history, 
and like so many other of curtis's experiments remains only in the memories of those who were directly interested or those who watched in idle curiosity other airships were built by baldwin and curtis from time to time and these were used successfully in giving exhibitions throughout the united states the work of these two pioneers of the air had attracted the attention of the united states government in the meantime and great was the elation at hammondsport when an order came from the war department at washington for a big dirigible balloon for the use of the signal corps baldwin was commissioned to build the balloon and curtis the motor to propel it this was an important undertaking and both baldwin and curtis appreciated the fact it marked the beginning of governmental and military interest in aeronautics in this country the possibilities of which were already engaging the attention of the military authorities of europe the success of this airship meant much to both men and baldwin and curtis worked all through the winter of nineteen o four o five to make it so baldwin meanwhile having moved to hammondsport in order to be in touch with the curtis factory where all the mechanical parts of his airships were being made in order to meet the specifications drawn up by the war department the big airship was required to make a continuous flight of two hours under the power of the motor and to be capable of maneuvering in any direction curtis realized that in order to fill these requirements a new type of motor would be needed he designed and set about building therefore a water-cooled motor something which had not been attempted at the curtis factory up to this time and the success of which marked a long step in advance although baldwin had built thirteen dirigibles all of which had been equipped with motors built by curtis and all of which had been operated successfully in exhibitions the government contract was his most ambitious undertaking about the balloon itself there was never any doubt the thing that clung constantly in the minds of these men who were bending every effort to the conquest of the air was will the motor do its work in a two hours endurance test and will it furnish the necessary power to drive this big airship at a speed of twenty miles an hour the conditions under which the trial was to be made were entirely unique the motor had to be suspended on a light but substantial framework beneath the great gas bag and from this framework the pilot and the engineer had to do their work the army dirigible was completed on time and its test took place at washington in the summer of nineteen o five captain baldwin acted as pilot and curtis as engineer the airship met every specification and was accepted by the government a flight of two hours duration was made over the wooded hills of virginia and this stands to-day as the longest continuous flight ever made by a dirigible airship in this country end of section four recording by maria casper